Here I go. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do it. You are ready. I'm going to do it right now. Are you listening? No. Okay. I was going to do it, but if you're not listening, I'm not going to do it. I'll just, I can wait. Okay, I think you can do it now. Okay. Hello, cinephiles. And oh, welcome wait, 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 to wait, we gotta stop, we gotta stop. Ah, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I'm not ready. You threw me off my mojo, man. Hello, cinephiles, and welcome to Silver Screen Sips, a podcast where two idiots talk about movies. And today we are talking about Kill Bill Volume 2. And it's already the end of the season. <laughs> Dos. Dos. Just a reminder that there are spoilers ahead for movies and TV shows that you may not have seen yet. So just know you've been warned. Um, so we're going to start today's episode off with a banger of a segment. Oh, sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying to appeal to our Gen Z audience. What's, what's this segment called, Isaiah? Um, this week in uh, North Brighton, Ohio. No. <laughs> <laughs> what if you did it with the same energy, though? I got it. I got it. I got it. Hold on. Hold, hold, hold. Um, you want me to set you up again? Let me get this on. Uh, hey, Isaiah, what's this segment called again? Welcome to this week in Overland Park, Kansas. Well, it's in Kansas. Overland Park. But why there? Because random. But it's like so random that I want to know what made you decide that one. Oh, um, I literally Googled random city in Kansas and that popped up. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the people lis- listening that live in, what's it called? Overland Park, Kansas. Overland Park, Kansas. Shout out to you guys. You're real, the real MPs. MPs? Military police? What is it? What am I thinking of? VIP? MVP. MVP. There it is. It was coming together. All right. Sorry. We're we're recording at three in the afternoon. So our energy, <laughs> we're, we, we've known from the past, maybe we shouldn't record during the day because it just gets so chaotic. Unhinged. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Except this time, Isaiah has energy, if you can't tell. Yes, I'm not sleep deprived. I have not been awake for 48 hours. <laughs> right. All right. So let's start with this week in Hollywood. Let's start off with... Everyone's favorite film uh, that's been in talks for the past year, practically. Oppenheimer and Barbie. Both of these films are set to release on the same day, as most of you probably know, July 21st. Hell yeah. And the box office battle between the two films are beginning or is beginning to heat up. But guess who's on track to come out on top? It's not Oppenheimer. It's fucking Barbie. Okay, new projections from The Hollywood Reporter hint that Barbie could open with between a 70 to 80 million dollar opening weekend, while Oppenheimer is expecting nearly half of that at 40 million. And I just now, don't believe it. I can believe it because what uh, was I? Barbie is how long? Like, how long is the movie? Um, pull that up, Jeremy. So, the Barbie movie is two hours. And Oppenheimer is three hours without previews, right? So that means you can only fit in about three showings per theater if you were to open from like 10 to 10. Mm. So if a theater is open 12, is like open up like uh, 10 to 12 hours, then you can only fit three showings in a theater. And if you, if they're straight doing just, so they have, let's say at the basic one IMAX 
this is a theater with the best case scenario, right? You have a Dolby in the theater, you have an IMAX in the theater, and obviously it's got like a bunch of plexes, right? So you have one theater showing in IMAX, which means you can maybe, and those take a while to boot up and do your opening stuff. So two uh, two showings, two showings. Right. A day. Dolby, I would say about the same thing, two or three showings maybe, and then you have three showings maybe in a regular theater. That's it. Where Barbie is only two hours long, so that means you can fit as many showings as you possibly could if you wanted to. You can fit at least four or five if you cut it real close, if you're open for 12 hours. I think that is an an excellent factor that I didn't even think about. Mm -hmm. Um, For a average person who does not work in theaters, my guess was that Oppenheimer is R-rated, Barbie is PG-13. So there's more light, there's more people that can see Barbie. That is also true. That is another factor into things. There's a lot of factors. It's just really shocking that I mean, it's not, but it is, but it's not. Is Oppenheimer Christopher Nolan's first rated R movie? Uh, was Tenet not rated R? No. Oh, huh. then I guess so. Maybe? I don't know. Tenet, nope, PG-13. The Batmans are all PG-13. Inception is PG-13. Dunkirk is PG-13. Huh. Interstellar, PG-13. Yep. Way to go. Oh, wait, wait. Memento. Memento's rated um, R. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. He's only got two. He's only got two. (laughs) Well, I still think that even if Barbie makes more, I still think Oppenheimer is going to get... Imagine Barbie gets nominated for an Oscar. It will for set design. It 100% is going to win set design. 1,000%. It's all that pink. Anyways, this episode is not about those two films. Um, So let's keep going. Yeah. Now it's time to get sussy. Oh, God. An animated Among Us TV series is at, is no. at CBS Studios. No, it is not. Yes, it is. Yes, I Animation Productions has partnered with Innersloth, an independent game studio behind Among Us, to develop the series. Per the official logline, the series is based on the premise of the game, namely members of the crew have been replaced by an alien shapeshifter intent on causing confusion, sabotaging the ship, and killing everyone. Boot out the imposter and fall victim to the murderous designs. Which, it's Among Us, and it's Among Us. It's literally Among Us. It is. It's a TV show. That's all you need to know. And I mean, like Among Us premise is like really good. I like the idea because it makes for like a good thriller, depending on which like which way you want to go with it. But also it's Among Us. (laughs) It also depends, too, on like what kind of route they're going to take with it. Like what's their what's their target audience here? That's what I want to know, because if they're going towards like the younger generation, like 15 and under, you can't really like because like to me this would be a great anime like animated film if it just got really fucking gory with it like I ridiculously would love to see the insane just the insanity of because we call it they just like a bunch of mods and stuff like that people have made into like these insane games yeah make it very creative they have a lot they can work with it's it's like they could take a murder mystery genre and mix it with like almost like gore porn and put it together and it would be it could be a good film i'm not gonna say it will be but it could be tv show animated tv show sorry we'll see we'll see anyways on to the next headline a dress worn by the late carrie fisher in star wars episode four a new hope uh was auctioned for up to a projected two million dollars uh, the dress was worn in the final scene of episode four, where Princess Leia bestowed Luke Skywalker and Han Solo with medals of honor after destroying the Death Star. However, the dress went unsold with the highest bidding 
being 975,000. So a little shy there, but just a little bit. Um, I guess there's like this whole auction going on with like Star Wars memorabilia and stuff, and this is the highest um, auctioned item or item up for auction. But obviously, no one's got two million dollars. So you don't have two million dollars? Um, no, I spent it all on the submarine. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, is that too soon? <laughs> <laughs> they were making memes while the submarine was dude. Down. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Anyways. Next, Evan Peter star of Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. First off, what a name. <laughs> and known for his roles in American Horror Story, is joining Jared Leto in Tron Aries? 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 Aries is an I. Yeah, it's like Aries without the I, so however you pronounce A-res. that. Aries. Aries. Tron Aries, the third film <laughs> in, in Disney's extremely long lived cyberspace franchise. I, good luck. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. good luck. Um, yeah, I saw that and I was like, yeah, he's going to have fun with that one. It's sweet. It Joaquin? Yeah, Wa- I'm going to say Joaquin Ronin is what Phoenix. I would say. Yeah. M at the end, not N. Joaquin Ronin. I'm going to go with that. Uh, from Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. We'll direct the film from a script by Jesse Wigato. Wigato? 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 These We're are having... really hard. Yes. I'm sorry. So sorry. Production is set for August. However, with the strike going on at the moment, this could all change. You know, never, you know. Yes. Wow, that is not at all how I thought you'd say it. I'm gonna put this up to the. Sorry, I googled how to say his name. Um, do you want to hear it? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna play this so that the uh, listeners can also hear it. So one second, because I have it on my computer, but let me pull it up on my phone for you, because it is uh, not even close to what we said. So sorry. It's Norwegian, by the way. Mm. So let me turn it up. Hopefully, hopefully this, um, I think so. Hopefully this picks up. Let me know. Did you get that? Uh, I think so. I'll play it one more time for you guys. Yep, there it is. So long story short, uh, we suck at names. Sorry. (laughs) But that guy, that guy is set to direct it. All right. So, 398 new artists have been officially invited to join the Academy. Among this list is Taylor Swift. Why? Because she's a director. Of what? Her music videos. They're like short. She did like a short film for one of her music videos or something like that. I don't know. Yes. I could ask my coworker who's a Swifty and she could she could defend this, but I don't think she Hot the take. Academy. She does not deserve to be in the Academy. The Academy. If She's... that's the case, then um, whoever directed the new uh, Pierce the Veil song, the yeah. Last Resort uh, reimagined, whoever directed that video needs to get in there. <laughs> yeah. I think music videos are a separate thing, even though pe- people will argue that it's a short film with a music video, like with a song in it kind of thing. But I don't know. It's all... Uh, we can talk about that for hours. Not bad. Not Pierce the Veil. It's falling in reverse. <laughs> Equally as good. Um, Kihei Kwan, Kiki Palmer, Paul Mescal, um, and Austin Butler are among the 398 artists and entertainment executives invited to join the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. This is, of course, the Oscars. Is another like another word you could use if you don't know what the Academy is. They're the people who run. Yeah, the people who run it. Um, They're the people to blame when they start doing stupid stuff. (laughs) 
like smacking people on stage. Now, if all 398 invitees accept their bid to join the Academy, the organization's total number of voting members will reach 9,375. That's a lot. That is, that is a lot. I just, I, I want to know what qualifies someone to be a part of the Academy. You have to have made a significant um, contribution to cinema, which is again, why yeah, I don't get to why, why Taylor Swift is in there. <laughs> yeah, that I don't get. All the others are actors. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift has acted in things, but I wouldn't say she's made a significant impact on the film industry. She's made a very significant impact on the music industry. Right. We cannot deny that. That is 100%. So like if if there's like an academy for music, then she needs to be part of that. Um, Isn't that the Grammys? That's the award show. I don't know if there's like a person, like how the academy is oversees the Oscars. I don't know if there's like something that oversees the Grammys. Mm, I see. Okay. I don't know. I'm not. In, we're not in the music scene. This is a film podcast. <laughs> yes. Lastly, we want to have a moment to mourn the loss of actor Alan Arkin. He passed away June 29th at the age of 89. At the time of recording, June 30th. This headline is still very new to us. However, by the time of this episode comes out, many of you may have already heard. The actor was best known for his roles in Little Miss Sunshine, Argo, The In-Laws, and Edward Scissorhands. Mm. R.I.P. Alan Arkin. I didn't know about this until I just read it. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I think the articles were mainly coming out today, so it's pretty pretty fresh news for us. Um, but I'm sure Damn. in two weeks, actually, yeah, in two weeks when this episode comes out, um, it might be old news. But either way, he deserves the respect, respect, the tribute. Well, um, on that note, this concludes this week in Hollywood. You can find all of our sources cited on our Discord channel that you can go join. Um, and you should, because if you don't, you're a loser. I'm kidding. You're not a loser. Damn. Sorry. We we both love you, um, but we'll love you more if you join. <laughs> oh, all right. That's uh, enough caffeine for me. Uh, Isaiah. Yes. Now that I'm done with my caffeine, do you have any alcohol for me? In Big Lose, Big Bruise. Thank you for the opening. Thanks. I tried. What's the name of this thing? The five finger, the five, not the five finger, the five point. Five finger death punch. That's what I was thinking of. No, it's called the five, five point palm exploding heart technique. It's the name of the drink. Okay. So today we'll be talking about the five point palm exploding heart technique. Drink. Oh, drink. Technique cocktail. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, the technique itself too, but. Um, yes. And how to do it. I'm just kidding. You've been taught by Payme? I've said too much. <laughs> He's coming after you now. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, we'll get to that. <laughs> when you need to now, when you need a Bill, kill Bill cocktail, the five point palm exploding heart technique cocktail brings together rich coffee flavors and the smokiness mm-hmm. of mezcal. I have mezcal. Its inventor, Eric Castro, calls for a relatively obscure coffee liqueur, but feel free to substitute the result. End rolls. The results are worth it, but will vary depending on what you put in it. Obviously, um, if you substitute ingredients, pay attention to the sweet bitter balance. Gallino. Ristretto, very Italian. Galliano Ristretto. There you go. Has a notable, uh, notably sweet element to its palate with a, with plenty of chocolate tones. If you do use a different coffee liqueur and a, and sweet vermouth instead of punt MS, uh. you may need to to tweak the proportion the proportions a bit. Either way, the five finger point, the five finger death punch. I keep on getting that. You keep wanting to say five finger death punch. What's that one band? Five finger death punch. Oh, that's the band called? I thought that was something else. Yeah. No, that's the name of the band. Okay. 
Um, now the ingredients you'll need are one and a half ounces of mezcal. Use something a bit smoky if you don't have Del Magoy's Vita. Mm-hmm. I guess that is why that is a good choice, widely available and modestly priced. Punt imas, punt imas. Oh, he put it twice, or maybe that's the name. Who knows? It's like a sweet vermouth that has been modestly bittered. If you're if you're out, don't hesitate to use sweet vermouth, which ew. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now it may make the resulting drink a bit sweet. Coffee liqueur of you want to say, give me the name again. Gariano Ristetto. She did it so well the first time. Um, if, if you can find it, otherwise substitute with what's available. And then you add one dash of bitters. Hmm. Chocolate bitters, to be specific. Yes, chocolate bitters. Not Angostura bitters, because that would be disgusting. Yes, pretty usual. Add all the ingredients to your trusty mixing glass. Add ice and stir to chill. Strain over ice, preferably a l- single large cube in an old-fashioned glass drink. That's it. Oh, glass, mm. period, drink. Okay. <laughs> That's the last step. Oh. Got it. Okay, so we've got... Let's sum this up. We have mezcal in there. Mm-hmm. We have punte mes, which I'm assuming... Which it says is like a sweet vermouth. Okay. Um, it's only three quarters an ounce. It's not, that's not too much, uh, luckily. And then just half an ounce, you say, of coffee liqueur, half right? Okay. Half, half an ounce. And then chocolate bitters. One dash. Now, I've had mezcal. I actually used it from our sponsor that we'll be discussing a little bit, Shaker and Spoon. Mm. And it's good. It's a smoky tequila. Okay. Which for tequila, I'm not a tequila lover, but I kind of liked mezcal just because it's like not so tequila-y. It's more like a smoky flavor to me. So to me, this kind of sounds good. Um, It's different. I don't know if I would order it in a restaurant if that was my only option, maybe. But Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't order this over my usuals. Good old bourbon and whiskey. Yeah, I think... I'd give it like a three and a half out of five. Yeah, I'll say three and a half. It sounds interesting. I've never thought to put tequila and like a coffee liqueur together. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. And chocolate bitters sounds really good. So yeah, I think overall, I think the mix of ingredients kind of would be like a smoky, like I'm getting hints of like, I don't know, chocolate coffee, like a mocha from Starbucks. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Mm. But like, Way better because there's alcohol. What do you what do you what are you rating it here? A two out of five. I don't mm. like Starbucks. <laughs> okay. Well, if you didn't if I didn't say that, would that have changed your answer? Probably not, because it tastes like mostly coffee with a little dash of chocolate. <laughs> but you like Kahlua. Yes, mixed with half and half and to make a white Russian. Mm. And vodka. So like Kahlua on itself, I would not drink. Really? Yeah. So like, if it's mixed with other stuff to make, if it doesn't taste like coffee, like Kahlua sort of tastes like it tastes like coffee, but it's like mixed with other things, and so it tastes yeah. less like coffee. So I don't mind it. But when the mm. kind of thing, first off, it tastes like coffee. This one, and also it's got an equivalent to sweet vermouth, which is god awful. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, two out of five. That's um, I got you. Um, that reminds me. Yesterday I had a mudslide. Have you had that? No. What is a mudslide? It's very similar to a white Russian. I believe it was actually invented because the guy didn't have the just the right ingredients to make a white Russian. So he made this substitute and it became known as the mudslide. I could be wrong, but that was a story I was told. It is a mix of Bailey's Irish cream, mm-hmm. Kahlua, vodka. Sounds very similar to a mudslide mm-hmm. uh, or to a white Russian. I mean, then you rim the glass with chocolate syrup and it tastes just like a fucking chocolate milkshake. It's so good. 
Mm. It's like the most dangerous drink because it's just so sweet, but it's just all alcohol. Now that's a five out of five for me. <laughs> yeah, it was good. The chocolate syrup really is the icing on top of the cake. Thank you, Lewis, for your drink. It was an all right one. Um, okay. You're all right. You're all right. Next time, but that's okay. Uh, speaking of drinks, let's talk about our sponsor today. Shaker and Spoon. It is a monthly subscription service that gives you bar quality recipes and ingredients designed by, you guessed it, award-winning mixologists. Their latest box, Pisco Inferno, features amazing cocktail recipes for brandy lovers, but more specifically, Pisco. If you'd like your very own subscription, then you can go on and head over to shakerandspoon.com and use our promo code SIPS10 to get $10 off your first subscription. Again, that's promo code SIPS10, S-I-P-S-10 to get $10 off. We highly recommend you do it. We have done it in the past and it was a fun time. I still miss one of my favorite cocktails because I used all the ingredients up and um, Rip. it was like a grapefruity one. It was so good. But yeah, go check it out at least. Okay, well, we have um, an interesting question for best question of the day today. So we're going to get a little dark here. All right. So in the film, we have we have the bride, a.k.a. Beatrix. Also known as B. Hey, B. Oh my God, tricks are for kids. It makes sense now. Oh, <laughs> is that what they were trying to do, though, or is that just us trying to make a connection? I just well, we. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna, really we're gonna don't. hope. We're just gonna say it is. We're gonna hope. <laughs> that line needs to mean something, okay? <laughs> it's such a bad line. Um. Okay. So, Beatrix, aka. B, which made me very happy because not going to lie, these films kind of made me have a crush on Uma Thurman, but I digress. So in the like first quarter of the film, we witness Beatrix get buried alive, mm-hmm. right? She eventually breaks out. But during that scene, it's at least very intense, very terrifying, which leads me to my question that is for you personally, what do you think is like the worst way that you could die or like the scariest way. Jesus. Yeah. We're getting real here, folks. I already have an answer. It is driving a car off of a road or bridge into a large body of water and drowning. Ooh, that is a good one. That is a scary one. I thought you were just going to say it's driving. I was like, what? That's not okay. <laughs> How do you live in life? I don't. Okay. That's, um, that is a good one. Oh man. I didn't even think of mine. Mm-hmm. this is your question you didn't think of an answer i know i didn't for some reason i didn't think you'd have an answer right away so i'd have more time to think because there's a number of things drowning is definitely up there like drowning is one of my biggest fears um any kind of like suffocating you know like the buried alive thing that's terrifying too suffocation no <laughs> so i was thinking that suffocation no breathing. um honestly ooh, i got a good one being burned alive. Now, like being burned alive, do you mean like long, prolonged burning or like, like, let's say you're trapped immediately, immediately burnt to a crisp? <laughs> no, I'm saying like, imagine you're trapped in your house and it's on fire and you're just you have to go through it until you die. It's funny as you say that is because you would actually die of smoke inhalation before you died of burning. But that doesn't mean you don't feel the pain of the burn. Sure. I mean, unless you were on fire. But then here we go again with the suffocation. No breathing. <laughs> Anyways, 
Okay, so then I mean that that just I makes it worse too because you're like not only are you being burned alive, but you also can't breathe. Uh, yeah, I would say that's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. Okay, I think I got the fire. You have the water. Um, now we just need air and land. Yeah. So plane crash and crushed by a boulder. <laughs> crushed by a boulder. Landslide. Landslide. <laughs> there you go. Dumb ways to die. <laughs> That's another good question. Is what's the dumbest way that you could die? Like, what's the most embarrassing thing you can think of? The legend of Kevin. Anything that man has done. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin. Who's Kevin? The legend of Kevin. The on Reddit. The dumbest child to ever live. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yes, I think I love how it opens up with um that the only that the kid the reason his kid's family's lineage has ever lived is a fluke against God because he either is looking <laughs> away or thinks it's funny. Oh my god. I feel like I think getting struck by lightning is a little embarrassing. <laughs> like dying from getting struck by lightning. You had one in a three million chance of getting struck by lightning and it was you. <laughs> and you died. <laughs> That's a real big L on your part. Oh. How embarrassing, dude. You should be ashamed. You sort of lived with better odds. Yeah. Like, dude, your fucking luck sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's got to be like, you know, without being absurd. That's, that is oh. a. Oh, not absurd at all. Be struck by lightning. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good one. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm locking in my answer. Do you have one? Do you have one or no? Most embarrassing way to die. Mm-hmm. Going down a submarine. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I had to. No. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You know what? Actually, I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna lock it in. <laughs> going in, going a... in a submarine made out of camper tools, <laughs> knowing that the window with the, the PlayStation controller, the PlayStation, knowing we call it with literal duct tape and sharpie telling you what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you can only get out. For, like, there's only. One way out is from someone opening it on the outside. Oh, honestly, rest in peace to the people. But like, yes, God. like that, like the poor souls that were on it. But like also the dude, the Ocean Gate guy who was in charge. Aware. Was, was aware. Was, oh, it's too obscenely safe. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Also, how about you do the math and don't put a porthole that is only good for 1300 meters and then go 4,000 meters, I wonder why you imploded. Like, seriously? Yeah. He knew that. He said, oh, that'll be fine, and put it on there anyway. Oh, my <laughs> and God. And he was proud of it. So, no, that would say that's, that's embarrassing. Like, if it was just him by himself, and he didn't take other people with it, which makes it more tragic that he took other people's lives with him because of his own yeah. incompetence, that's embarrassing. If he had gone by himself? If he had gone by himself and then yeah. died, I would say it's karma and also that's embarrassing because you should have known but yes it's just more, the it's fact just that other people on board is tragic yes. yes it's tragic that he had to take the lives of other people because of his own stupidity so i agree we're getting probably so many comments right now but <laughs> listen i i i genuinely do feel bad especially for like the 19 year old yeah he did not um he's too young but anyways before we get canceled yeah that was my question of the day uh isaiah yes so what do you got for us today? I have facts. Great. What are what are they? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So in the script, Tarantino had written all the fight scenes in great detail to the point where Yoon Wen Ping, who Yoon Wu Ping, sorry, who is the action choreographer for the movie, mm. asked basically asked straight up, what do you need me for? Because <laughs> they were so detailed. He was like, I don't I'm not needed. Man. Because he, because Tarantino thought of everything. Now, mm -hmm. 
here are the people who almost played Bill. Okay. I'm ready okay. to Google people. Okay. Well, you should know who these people I are. I might not have to. Okay. Jack Nicholson. Who's that? I'm just kidding. I know who that is. Okay. I know who that is before people lose their shit. That's the guy from um, Night of the Museum. Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jack Nicholson. Okay. Kurt Russell. Okay. Mickey Rourke. I don't know who that is. Hold on. Mickey Rourke. He played uh, Whiplash in Iron Man 2, but he's... Mickey Work. Rourke. Rourke. Oh, okay. So let me see his face. Oh, yikes. Okay, yeah, him. He, he, didn't, he didn't age. Um, Very well. well. <laughs> yeah. And Burt Reynolds. Okay. I don't he's, know if Burt um, Reynolds would No, I think he's too suave looking, you know? Mm-hmm. He's too, um, like... He, do- he doesn't strike me as, like, a kind of creepy guy. No. However, they all pass on opportunity. They said no. <laughs> now, Fair. the role was originally written for Samuel L. Jackson. Interesting, because he's in the movie. Yes. Well, he was like, this is, as he was writing, he was like, this isn't working out. I don't think mm. so. Now, um, and then he realized when, when it wasn't going to work, he then decided to write it, write it for Warren Beatty. Okay. And then as he was writing, he was also realizing that wasn't going to work out because <laughs> he originally wanted him to be like a James Bond type of character. And then it and Warren Beatty kind of like fit that. And then as he was writing, he was mm-hmm. like, that's not working. So I'm going to switch it out. And then eventually he said, hmm, Bruce Willis. That was Bruce Willis? What? No. What? Oh, never I'm mind. Saying, I thought you were. He oh. thought it was Bruce. He thought hmm, maybe Bruce Willis should do it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Dumb. I don't I don't know who the Kill Bill guy, what his name is, David Carradine. David Carradine. Okay. Okay, now I know. Yeah. So he was like, oh, I'm going to write it for Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis was uh, his third option. Now, Robert Rodriguez scored this movie for $1. No way. Yes. And he said, and Karen Tarantino said that he would pay him by directing a segment in Rodriguez's project Sin City for $1. <laughs> Damn, what a deal. What a deal. There, uh, however, there is a thing. There is like interviews with Tarantino and uh, Robert Rodriguez saying they did it for free, but then also some places say that they did it for a dollar. So I assume is they agreed to do it for free, but then you know to do it contractually, they had just they just did a dollar. That's what I assume happened. Mm. One penny, please. One dollar, <laughs> <laughs> just like Gwyneth Paltrow's lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking when you said it. The character of I may, I believe. Sorry, I just thought of like, I just imagine like Quentin Tarantino going on Fiverr. <laughs> I'll direct your short movie. <laughs> yeah. The correct, I believe it's Pai Mei. Is it Pai Mei? Pai Mei? Pai Mei. I think it's Pai Mei. The character of Pai Mei is a character from old Kung Fu films. Oh, yeah. I believe like uh, the 36 Chambers of, Sha- of Shaolin, I believe, stuff like that. And is played by Gordon Liu, who mm-hmm. played Johnny Moe, the, the head of the crazy 88 in the first film. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, he plays both characters. That's cool. And the reason this is for is actually a reference because Gordon Liu actually fought the original character of Pai Mei in past movies. In, I believe, 36 Chambers of the Palin. <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, he, so he ended up playing the character that he fought in, in, like, in the 70s, which is crazy. That is. At the 2008 uh, Provincetown International Film Festival, Tarantino announced that the original cut of Kill Bill incorporating both films and the extended animation sequence that we had talked about previously in the other episode 
would be released in May 2009 as Kill Bill The Whole Bloody Affair. So there isn't any DVDs, Mm. as I originally thought uh, prior. It's actually screenings of the movie. And it started in March uh, March 27, 2011 at the New Beverly Cinema, which is owned by Quentin Tarantino. Hmm. Yes, he owns the cinema. And it's funny, they're playing Independence Day today. (laughs) Um, That makes sense. Yeah, so he plays a lot of uh, old movies and uh, I believe on film and stuff like that. So, and he owns the New Beverly Cinema in LA. I don't know if they're still doing Kill Bill: The Whole Bloody Affair. I haven't seen any showings because he only does. They only do it for like uh, I think a month in advance. Yeah. So, but I didn't see anything, and maybe one day there will be. Now, we're gonna talk about the incident. The incident. The incident. So near the ending of filming. Uma Thurman was injured in a car crash while filming the scene where she drives to Bill. So the scene where she is driving down the road and it's very erratic, the blue car, that is the scene that in which she got hurt. Okay. She was on, she told, she stated prior that she was uncomfortable driving the car and asked the stunt driver to do it for her. Tarantino assured her that the car and road were safe. However, she lost control and hit a tree, suffering a concussion and damage to her knees. Jeez. According to Thurman, Miramax would only give her the crash footage if she signed a document releasing them of any consequences of her future pain and suffering. Tarantino was apologetic. However, their relationship was a, was a bit bitter over the years afterwards. Mm. Thurman said after the car crash, she went from being a creative contributor to and performer to being a bro- like a broken tool. Miramax released the footage in 2018 after Thurman went to the police following the accusations of sexual abuse by Harvey Weinstein. Oh. And that's why everybody knows about this. And. The footage can be found on YouTube. I'm literally searching it as we're talking right now. And you can find the link in our Discord because I have it in our show notes. It's it's pretty wild. She gets her. She gets. It's pretty bad. She hit the sword, too. Like the back of her head hit the sword. She handled it pretty well, though. The swerving and stuff for at first. And then, you know, like there was only a matter of time. God, that's rough. Yeah, I can see how she got the concussion from the sword probably hitting her. So, um, now we're going to talk about the failed projects of the sequels, because there were going to be sequels, and there are many talks of many sequels. In fact, there was going to be talks of two sequels to this, of Kill Bill Volume mm. 3 and 4. However, none of them came to fruition. So we're going to talk about a few. In April of 2004, Tarantino told Entertainment Weekly that he was planning a sequel. But, quote, I need at least 15 years before I do this again. I've already got Jeez. a whole mythology. His idea was that Sophie Fatale would get all of Bill's money. She'll raise Nikki, who is the daughter of Vivica Green's character of Vivica Fox mm. of, of Green of Green. Yes. Of that was killed in the first movie, who Nikki will then take on the bride. Quote, Nikki deserves her revenge every bit as much as the bride deserves hers. I might even shoot a couple scenes for now. And so I can get the actress while they're this age. However, it seems that didn't happen. Uh, no scenes were shot, I guess. At the 2006 San Diego Comic Con International, Tarantino stated that after the completion of Grindhouse, which was him in uh, Rodriguez's dual film, he wanted to make two anime Kill Bill films, an origin story about Bill and his mentors, and another origin story starring the bride. Mm. Details emerged around 2007 about two possible sequels, Kill Bill Volume 3 and 4, of being the third film would involve revenge of two killers whose arms and eyes were hacked by Uma Thurman in the first movies. Okay. The fourth movie would bring back characters and the daughters who would avenge their mothers. Hmm. 
that didn't, and then obviously that didn't go anywhere. And then in 2020, Vivica Fox, who portrayed Venetia Green, or Venita Green, my bad, in the first film, suggested the original actress, Ambrosia Kelly, would reprise her role as the grown-up Nikki in the, in the film to exact her revenge on the bride, expressing interest that Zendaya could be cast if Kelly was unable to return. Interesting. Which, in another universe, I think that'd be pretty dope. Watch Zendaya try to fight Uma Thurman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wouldn't be bad. I wouldn't be mad with uh, Maya Hawk either in like a prequel thing. There was also talks of having uh, Uma Thurman come back and Maya Hawk being the daughter playing BB. Oh, yeah, that too. There was talks of that, but obviously those plans fell through too. I was going to say more like a like un, like a setup to like how she got to be in the Viper. Well, not in the Viper squad, but like to be an assassin under Bill and stuff like how she got there. Maybe like. That would have yeah, been like one of the two, and that would have been one of the first, the second anime film that he was trying to do. Well, yeah, but I would have liked to see that with Maya Hawk, is what I was trying to get to, because like oh. she could portray a younger Uma Thurman. Interesting, interesting. Because she already plays a, a teenager in Stranger Things, so. Yeah. Well, those are all my facts. Well, thank you for your facts, Isaiah. I liked, I liked you're, those. You're not welcome. Oh, alrighty. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> now. We've got uh, quite quite a lot to talk about with this film um, and our franchise breakdown. Now, is it better or just as good as the first? Mm, not really. Mm, I agree. The way I think about it is if, it, if I watched the whole bloody affair, right? If as one movie, I think it would be like a solid 4.5 out of 5 for me. Like the whole, like if, if I watched that cut, because obviously that cut would have been a full experience you would be watching a full thing you wouldn't be watching two movies there wouldn't be like a pause yeah pause or a tease to the next one i feel like if it was, i watched the whole thing it would be like a perfect thing however because of the little changes they have to make in order to you know marketing or you know get people to movies and you know, that kind of stuff that kind of was like eh. mm-hmm. so it kind of did some stuff also because now you're watching the slow down pace compared to the first one which was like mostly action it feels very it feels like an entirely different movie now when it's supposed to be like one coherent project however if it was one project i feel like it would have made sense to me and i wouldn't have like "Hmm." (laughs) Mm -hmm. so there's that i would have loved to watch it in a way where the like the tease of does she know her daughter is still alive like if it was there but i didn't know about that Right. And yeah. at the end of the movie, you just find out the daughter's like the like you watch the whole yeah. thing, right? And you, the daughter's there, like, oh my God. Oh my god. I feel like the oh, yeah. the impact would have been way more significant. We would have felt like you were Uma in that moment. Like what the fuck? Which is why I think the whole bloody affair is probably the better cut of this movie. I do think I forgot her name. Oh my god, I I, I thought I wrote it down. I did not. But that BB, the actress who plays BB, is doing Tarantino dialogue at like five years old. Oh yeah, amazing! I don't know how she did it, <laughs> but she's she's doing she did an amazing job. And just for a little other tidbits, I think the barrel scene is probably one of the best acted scenes in the movie because mm-hmm. oh my god, the whole time I felt claustrophobic. I know. I, she, what do you call, I was like, holy crap! Did they actually bury this woman to get the shot? Holy crap! Because she was yeah. like panicking and stuff, and I was like, she sold it like Uma Thurman stole that and i was like damn under honestly she's underrated i didn't realize it until i watched these movies i was like damn she's a good actress yes 
she can make a movie that like has the cringiest lines and not make it cringy. And that takes a lot of skill. Yeah. So that was unexpected. I mean, I knew she was a good actress, but then like, I was like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. So props to that. That was the amazing. And the training scenes, I think were pretty funny on how they were shot. Peime is evil. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, he's like comically evil. Cause he's just so ridiculous. And over and it, like the whole things are overacted with the zoom ins and zoom outs and oh, stuff yeah. like that. It's like a real life anime. Yes, and it is homage to old kung fu movies because they did that in, the, in old mm-hmm. kung fu movies. So I do think that. So the homages are just kind of funny. If you don't know it, it's funny. If you do know it, then you notice the homage, but also it's kind of funny in the context that's given. So I think either way, it, the the point come across pretty good. So I give it, but I did give it a 3.5 out of five out of five because it isn't, in my opinion, as good as the first volume. Mm. Because I think the first volume is is better, but marginally. So that means this one is kind of less. However, I think altogether, again, it would be a 4.5 out of five if I watched the whole bloody affair cut. So Yeah. Okay. Those are my thoughts. I think that I agree with you pretty much on most of your comments i also rated it a three and a half out of five um i think that like if you compare the first one versus this one yeah i do feel like tone is completely different this one felt a lot more slow paced to the point where uh, there was a few scenes that i was like oh my god can we get on with these monologues are boring me i didn't really see kill bill as a story driven movie I saw it as like cinematically entertaining the fight scenes and all that, which there really wasn't a lot of fighting in this one compared to the first one, at least. So like, especially with like Bill's monologues, which I understand they're trying to like show you, this is Bill. This is what the guy you've been waiting for. But some of his monologues were just so dragged out. I also think that Uma Thurman's acting in this one was phenomenal. I think she really shined in this one compared to the first one. I think because it's a more emotionally driven movie versus the first. But she's just, yeah, she really does it well. Like you said, the buried alive scene is executed so perfectly that, it, yeah, it made me like nervous. I mean, Bill's actor, I think, did a good job as well. Why hasn't anyone thought about flushing the toilet before when they're being drowned? Oh, yeah. That is genius. There's been so many movies and shows where people die because someone shoves their head in the toilet. It's like, holy shit. Why didn't they think of that? Why didn't I think of that? That's such a like specific thing, but it's like mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. You see it and you're like, oh, my God. And you're like, I'm stupid. To not think about doing that. <laughs> I think Bill's death was a little anticlimactic. Oh, you just like. He just kind of killed. I mean, like that part, like when she does the the five finger death punch (laughs) to him, like that was a good way to kill him. But I feel like the build up to that point just wasn't there. They're just sitting at the table, and the next thing you know, she does it. Like there's no sword fight really at all between them. There's like two seconds of a fight, and then she does it. I wish it had been a little more. That's the part I think they should have dragged out was the sword fighting mm. instead of this fucking monologue he's having while he's pouring a glass of whatever. 
also fucking truth serum. Oh my god, I hate I I, I hate that <laughs> concept in movies where it's like this character would never tell the truth, but we're gonna come up with this truth serum, which means they must be telling the truth. It's like the cheapest through a story plot. Yeah. What a MacGuffin. Thank you. That's a great way. I I think overall it was definitely not bad. It was good. I enjoyed the I okay, as much as I enjoyed watching L die, <laughs> I did not enjoy the eyeball being stepped on. Oh, no, yeah, he had to include the feet. <laughs> that yeah, and it's like the grossest fucking thing. It's like not only is it a foot, but it it's squish gross, disgusting. I don't want to see that shit. I don't fuck with eyes nor feet. But overall, it was a it was pretty good. Definitely not as strong as the first one. So I gave it a three and a half for that reason. But I mean, I'd watch it again, I think. Mm -hmm. So three and a half across the board. All right. Well, since it's the end of the season, do we want to do a tier list for two movies? (laughs) I think we agree that uh, Kill Bill is A. Kill Bill 2 is B. B. Yeah, I I agree. Quickest tier list. Wow. One is one, two is two. Pretty fucking simple. Um, That was fast. Quickest quickest tier list in life. (laughs) And for real. Uh, So that's it for season 11, short and sweet, Uh, which means that next week is our listeners' episode. Um, So you have this week to submit your suggestions if you want to possibly hear it in next week's episode. Of course, send those suggestions in at silverscreensips at gmail.com. Next week, we will also be posting our poll for season 12. I know, so soon. So be sure to follow us on Instagram so you can go and cast your votes. The two options for season 12 are going to be the East Rail 177 trilogy, otherwise known as Unbreakable, Split, and Glass, or the Fallen trilogy, also known as Olympus Has Fallen, London Has Fallen, and Angel Has Fallen. But yeah, thank you for listening, and we will see you guys in next week with our listeners episode. Bye. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say something. Ah, oh, my mouse just died. Hold on. I can't fucking stop recording now because of it.